BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, holiday travel is expected to match pre-pandemic levels, with flight bookings up nearly 80% over last year's Thanksgiving week. At the same time, flight attendants are reporting mental and physical exhaustion as they continue to face abuse from passengers, punching, biting, kicking, racial slurs, and other verbal attacks. The FAA has received more than 5,000 complaints this year of unruly passenger behavior. We'll look at how airlines and the FAA are responding and talk with flight attendants about the impact air rage is having on their work and lives. Join us. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Flight attendants have faced a surge of physical attacks, verbal abuse, and harassment this year. Of the more than 5,000 complaints of unruly passengers since January, the Federal Aviation Administration finds three-quarters are mask-related. As holiday travel picks up dramatically this winter, we'll learn how flight attendants are faring, how airlines and federal officials are responding, and what passengers can do to help. Joining me first is Rachel Armstrong, a flight attendant for Allegiant Airlines. Rachel, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm really um, happy to be talking about this issue that needs to be handled. Well, I'm glad that you are because I imagine this year has been really tough for you and your colleagues. Can you talk about some of the things that you've faced? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not even just this year. It's the year before this year right. as well. I mean, our, our work group, we were frontline workers, um, you know, and we faced the pandemic. I remember, you know, when all of a sudden there were no passengers on the plane and coming home crying, thinking like, am I going to lose my, is this the end of my career? Not knowing that. And then, you know, this year it's been a flood of passengers on the aircraft. Um, you know, flying has just come back full force. Um, And with that, you know, we have seen the extent of the damage of what the pandemic has done to people's mental health. People are not well. Um, They're using, you know, alcohol to cope with their mental illnesses. They're coming on the plane and they're putting, they're being put in a situation very similar to the pandemic where they have no control over what's happening to them. Um, and they just have to deal with it. And so, you know, what we've seen on the aircraft is people are in a situation, they're in a metal tube, 35,000 feet in the air, and they have no control over what's happening to them. 
Um, and so oftentimes people lose it on us. And oftentimes we're, we're the people that take the brunt where the, the flight attendants are the ones that take the brunt of um, the passengers, anger and frustrations and mm-hmm. inability to, you know, change what's happening to them in their situation. I'm struck by the empathy that you have for your passengers. What has been bearing the brunt? What has that meant for you and your colleagues? Um, you know, I, I saw a picture a couple months ago and it was just, you know, a picture of a, a suitcase and a flight attendant holding it and the words over it said, we are not okay. And that resonated with me on a very deep level of, we have been through so much this past year and we are just cont- like, we are just punching bags. You know, that's, that's a phrase that has been used often And we're just meant to deal with things as they happen to us. And there's not a lot of recourse um, for, you know, fighting back as a flight attendant. There's not a, you know, the ability to be, be protected at all the time. And so we feel often helpless. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, you know, really where, where our work group and the industry as a whole is our flight attendants, you know, they feel like there's not a lot that they can do in many of these situations. Um, and oftentimes it's, it's just, I'm just thinking to myself, you know, when I go to work, am I going to be the one that gets beaten up today? That is such a sad thing to think about that it, you're dreading going to work because you might be the next person that's on the news. Um, but that's the reality of what our job has become. And when you say that you have no recourse or it's very difficult to fight back, what do you mean by this? I know that you have had a colleague who was choked, for example, like what kind of support or advocacy do you get or do you pretty much have to advocate for yourself? You have to advocate for yourself. I mean, and that's just, I think oftentimes we end up becoming, we we end up becoming treated like machines in the sense of, you know, are you good to keep flying? Are you good to go? And there's not really any concern for the human factor. You know, my, I have a a fellow flight attendant that I knew and, you know, she got choked on, on the aircraft. Um, and she was just completely traumatized in shock. Um, and the initial call from the company, the airline called her and said, Hey, are you good to keep flying? And you know, in just complete shock, she she's not able to advocate for yourself when you're a victim of assault. You can't speak up for yourself. It's very difficult. And so I think our flight attendants often question themselves and their own reality um, when it comes to, you know, experiencing violence on the aircraft. Um, and I think it just puts us in a very difficult place. We don't know if things are going to get followed through. Um, the FAA investigations, although they are great, it is not a speedy process. Um, and you have to do a lot of work yourself. Um, not a lot of people know this, but if you are assaulted on the aircraft, um, you know, now the FAA is sending a lot of these um issues on the aircraft to the DOJ for prosecution. But you know, before that flight attendants would have to prosecute the passenger themselves. Hmm. Um, and they would have to figure out how to do that. The airline had no involvement, um, no participation at all in you know, protecting their, their workers 
from this person continuing to fly. And then not only that, maybe this person gets uh, put on a no-fly list on their airline, but they're able to go and fly on another airline because we don't have a national no-fly list. Um, so airlines don't share who's been banned. You know, for, for this flight attendant, you know, she was choked um, on the aircraft and who knows, this man might've gone on another plane and nobody knows um, that he did what he did on, you know, this flight. Rachel, what what has helped you through this increase in these kinds of attacks? You, you talked about dreading going to work. I know that you've become more involved with your union. Has that helped? Yeah, I mean, I think I have such a big heart for advocacy for our flight attendants, um, especially for for people that feel like they don't have a voice. Um, and this is just a prime time for our work group. And, you know, there have always been assaults happening even before the pandemic. It's just that this has been highlighted. This has been like the perfect storm, as a lot of people have said. And so for me, I like, I feel he like healing in the process of helping other people. Um, I'm also a big advocate of our flight attendants getting mental health assistance with therapy. Um, I mean, there, there's so much that we need to do to heal from the past two years. Um, and I, I don't want people to, to continue to go to work and not process what's happened to them. Mm. Um, because, I mean, essentially, then, you know, you're, you're putting yourself in a situation where you could respond to trauma on the plane from a situation you experience. So um, yeah, I, I, I love the ability to advocate for flight attendants for people that don't feel like they have a voice. And we've been fighting so hard to just get minimal protections. Um, it's, it's just sad. Rachel Armstrong is a flight attendant with Allegiant Airlines and also vice president of TWU Local 5. 77. I want to bring Natalie Compton into the conversation, a reporter for the Washington Post travel column, by the way. Natalie Compton, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. The kinds of things that Rachel is describing are the things that you have been reporting on. And as I mentioned at the top, that the FAA has seen 5,000 plus, I think the number is more than 5,100 at this point, in terms of complaints. Can you put that number in context for us? How big an increase is that? Sure. So it's particularly surprising because in the past, before the pandemic, those reports would be about a couple hundred a year. So to have it in the 5,000 range is pretty heinous. Right now, what the FAA have said, that's about a rate of six incidents per hundred or 10,000 flights. So it's still something that isn't impacting every single flight, but it is happening on a much more regular basis than ever before. Right. So if you're a passenger, it may be relatively rare for you to encounter mm -hmm. and maybe even for some flight attendants. But it sounds like the general the general atmosphere that it's created has been one of, at the very least, heightened tension. What have you heard from flight attendants that you've interviewed? I've definitely heard similar sentiments to Rachel, and I it, it really breaks your heart when you talk to some of the flight attendants who feel really crestfallen in losing a part of their job that they loved. Flight attendants have told me they really loved the camaraderie that they built with passengers going up and down the aisle doing service and cracking jokes with passengers. And now they have to be on guard all the time. They're feeling like they have to babysit passengers and constantly tell them about the mask policy. Plus there's that stress of, is something gonna happen on my flight? 
Most of the flight attendants that I've spoken with, except for a couple, have not had physical altercations or any severe pushback to the masks. But I also attended one of the self-defense trainings that's put on by air marshals across the country for flight attendants. And at those trainings, the flight attendants that I spoke with felt like nothing had happened to them yet, but it felt like a big what if for their future flying the rest of the year. So they wanted to take these self-defense classes just to be prepared, even though they weren't 100% sure it would happen to them. And can you remind us of what some of the major incidents have been recently that you have covered or or read about? Mm-hmm. I think some of the ones that make headlines lately are... The violence is is pretty upsetting, I think, for a lot of, especially flight attendants, if you're the person on the other end of that. Right now, about 100 of the reports that we're seeing in those, those complaints, 100 are physical assault. So some of the most recent ones, there was a $32,000 fine against a passenger on a flight in May on Horizon Air. And this person didn't want to follow their crew instruction about fastening a seatbelt, which that's that's not even a pandemic issue. That's just very basic. So the woman starts screaming and uh, she punched a flight attendant. She was throwing trash. That was one of the ones that the FAA started pursuing recently. Uh, We've also just heard things about obviously masks, people getting in fights with other passengers. There was one about passengers fighting over the armrest. So it's not just masks. Hmm. It sounds, it, it almost sounds ridiculous if it wasn't so sad that it's turning into violent offenses. But something that flight attendants have said to me is, Part of this could be a lot of people who are flying now aren't very used to flying. The pandemic has brought a lot of new people flying than ever before. There are less business travelers. People are stressed as they go to fly. And a lot of people just don't know the drill. I've had flight attendants tell me they've had to tell people don't stand up while the plane is landing or or don't try to to go when when the plane is taking off. So some of these issues deal with some really basic parts of flying. We're talking about the problem of unruly passengers and air rage and how to deal with it this hour of forum. Stay with us for more after the break. I'm Mina Kim. Support for forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about the documented increase in problems related to air rage. And I want to invite you, our listeners, to join the conversation. Are you a flight attendant, a passenger? What has your experience been with bad behavior on flights? 
since the pandemic began. Do you have thoughts on measures that will improve civility in the air? You can call us at 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. You can get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum or email us forum at kqed.org. We're joined with we're joined by Rachel Armstrong, a flight attendant with Allegiant Airlines, and Natalie Compton, a reporter for the Washington Post who covers travel. And Natalie, I wanted to ask you now about how the FAA and the airlines are responding. Rachel talked about how the FAA is levying fines in ways that they may not have before. Can you describe what their main mode of response has been? Sure. So in January, they put into effect this zero tolerance policy that I think is trying to deter people from acting out on board. So that's where these fines are coming up with. Um, right now, they have a limit on fines up to $35,000, as well as imprisonment. So they're hoping if people see headlines about people being charged $32,000 for an encounter on a plane, they will be feeling like I don't want to do that myself. Uh, Interestingly enough, on kind of a lighter side, we've also seen the FAA putting out more memes about not acting out on planes. I'm not sure exactly how effective that is going to be, but they're trying to reach a different audience by sharing this message in multiple ways. Because I think I saw one that was like, unruly <laughs> behavior doesn't fly or something like that. Yes, some with like monster trucks and they're really getting creative. So I I think they are feeling the desperation of how can we make people stop acting out? They're definitely enlisting the help of airlines or airports. I know right now the FAA has been pleading with airports to try to stop the use of to-go cups from businesses at the airport. They don't want people bringing their own alcohol on planes, which it is illegal to drink your own alcohol on a plane. You can only drink what is served to you by a fly attendant. Um, so that's been an issue as well. A lot of airlines are not serving alcohol at this time to try to combat that issue as well. Although right now the FAA has said about only 6% of the, the major issues on planes have been alcohol related. Mm. That being said, anecdotally, a lot of the things that we see do have to do with alcohol. So it's not nothing. And the FAA cannot levy, well, they can levy fines, but they can't bring criminal cases. So how many of those are they referring to the Justice Department? That is a great question. I know it's one of those things that feels very frustrating to see these things go viral and you don't see something happen on a legal standpoint for many, many months. Uh, but that is a great question. I'm not sure of those figures exactly. I think it's uh, that, the, yeah, they can't prosecute criminal cases. But my understanding that's been basically in the dozens, maybe mm -hmm. less than 40 or so. Um, right. Let me bring Tom McDaniel now into the conversation. Tom McDaniel is a flight attendant with South West Airlines and International Vice President for the Transport Workers Union of America. Tom McDaniel, glad to have you on forum as well. I mean, and thanks for having us on and bringing this important subject forward. I'm curious how you feel about the way the feds have responded so far, what Natalie just described. Well, I think the numbers that we're talking about really speak for themselves um, as of the beginning of November, and we know they've actually gone up since then, but um, there were over 5,000 reports of unruly passengers. And um, at the time that we got this report, only 37 had been referred to the 
uh, FBI for criminal review. So uh, we're happy that the FBI or that the uh, FAA has has issued over a million dollars in fines, but um, our union is pushing strongly to make sure that there are also criminal and civil penalties. We're calling on lawmakers to create, uh, to, to codify this, but uh, we're also uh, counting on the airlines to work together and make sure that those people are not on planes anymore once they, they're uh, convicted of, of attacking a flight attendant or an airline worker. Tom, you have been an attendant for 29 years. Have you seen anything like this increase and intensification of unruly passenger behavior before? I've never seen anything like it. And I'd also like to uh, say that I was president of uh, the Southwest Airlines Flight Attendant Union Local 556 after 9-11. And obviously the reaction that we saw from our, our passengers was to back up the flight attendants and to make sure that nobody uh, caused a disruption on the plane. And, and uh, we, you know, it's, it's a completely different time, but it's gone up at one time. I think uh, we saw a 2000% ri uh, rise in these kinds of incidents between the beginning of the year and the summer. And uh, they've just continued to escalate since then. Um, I can remember maybe three or four times during the 11 years I was president, whenever I, I saw an actual assault of a flight attendant on the aircraft. Well, I want to bring callers into the conversation. Michael in San Francisco has a thought. Hi, Michael. Hello. I was on a flight from San Antonio, Texas to San Francisco, and it seemed that there were quite a few passengers who were not wearing their masks correctly. Um, and some not wearing them at all as they boarded the plane. And it seemed that many of the flight attendants were perfectly fine, ignoring the problem so long as other passengers didn't bring it to their attention. Um, and so I think the, the proper approach is to have a zero tolerance policy with clear guidelines so that passengers are advised that if they will receive, for example, two warnings, and if they fail to comply, will be immediately removed from the plane with no further appeals. Otherwise, people are going to continue to think they can just kind of tuck it below their nose or walk down the aisle and get a pass um, for dangerous behavior. Michael, thanks. Tom, what do you think? Would that help? Well, the, the flight attendants, the, the flights I've been on, I can say that they've, they've asked people to be compliant at every level. Um, but I think you can see that with people feeling like they could be attacked uh, for just for just doing their job, that people might be hesitant to do that. No, absolutely. I think it should be, you know, you said two strikes, maybe one. But um, but when, once people know what the rules are, they are they should be following them. But I think you can understand the trepidation that uh, a flight attendant would have if they don't know what kind of reaction they're going to get. And I also want to say that there seems to be a lot of looking for reasons why people are doing this. And while we know that some of them are related to masks, I just want to say it's not acceptable no matter what the reason. We should feel safe at work. We should be, know that we're going home safely to our family and anything else is not acceptable. I'm curious, at the beginning of your career, you told our producer that it was a pleasure to go to work every day. Has that changed dramatically for you? I love aviation and I love being a flight attendant. And that's why, you know, I think I started thinking I was going to do it for five years and then go find a real job. And then I found out that my, my real job was probably one of the best ones that I could get. Um, I still love being a flight attendant. And I know so many of my friends do. It's a, it's a way of life. But unfortunately, there are people who after COVID, when they saw what was going on in the news, we know that people left 
the industry because they did not want to face these kinds of, of challenges and threats at work. Um, I, you know, I, I'm going to advocate for fl the flight attendant job to always be better. And part of that is making sure that people are safe at work. But I'm going to just say flat out that I love my job. So you, though, have seen others quitting, maybe not willing to take up extra shifts, things like that. Very, very definitely. Uh, um, they, they keep talking about shortages of flight attendants, but a lot of times people just don't want to pick up extra work because, uh, you know, if, if, you, if you're afraid to go to work, you're probably not going to want to escalate that fear by uh, picking up extra shifts on your days off. And uh, um, I imagine, are you concerned about those staff shortages even making some of the tensions higher or stresses higher when people are flying? Well, absolutely. Uh, you know, we have we have flight attendants who are overworked. We have them doing long days. We have uh, a lot of disruptions because of sometimes these things, sometimes these assaults, sometimes weather, sometimes short staffing, and uh, and it's just putting more stress on the flight attendants and on the uh, other airline workers. And um, and it's uh, it's a challenge every day when you have to wonder, you know, is my my day that's supposed to end at, at five o'clock? Is it going to go on till nine o'clock? Is it going to go on to midnight? Am I going to make it home to my family tonight? And that's something that that we're facing every day. We're talking with Tom McDaniel, a flight attendant for Southwest Airlines, Natalie Compton, a reporter for The Washington Post's travel column and Rachel Armstrong, a flight attendant with Allegiant Airlines. And joining us now is Rick Larson, a U.S. member of Congress representing Washington State's 2nd District, a member of the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, and chair of the House Subcommittee on Aviation. Congressman Larson, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thanks for inviting me to be on. I really appreciate as well being on with this great panel. Uh, as you chaired the Aviation Subcommittee uh, hearing on this topic, wondering what you are going to do about it? What changes or reforms the committee is talking about to help deal with this increase in violence and attacks from passengers? Yeah, first off, I wanna say that the flight attendants are really on the front line in the cabin uh, when it comes to this uh, unruly passenger behavior. And I think the flight attendants would agree unruly passenger behavior is not new, but it is certainly has increased uh, over the last uh, 18 months and it really requires further action. So our committee had the hearing um, a few weeks back, and we can really talk about three buckets uh, of activity that we need to uh, think about, like preventing unruly behavior, uh, treating it, and responding to it. And, and preventing it could be something as simple as stop serving uh, alcohol um, or, or be more aggressive at the bars and in, in the air, air, uh, airports about allowing people to take uh, alcohol to go. Um, that's one thing that we uh, found on treating. We need to increase staffing and training to monitor, prevent, and respond to unruly passengers at, at TSA, for instance. And finally, we need to, like in a response idea, is to make permanent the FAA's zero tolerance policy. Um, over the last couple of weeks since that hearing, uh, the committee staff has met with the FAA and with airlines uh, on a variety of issues, including the concept of allowing airlines to share information about unruly passengers. So they, you know, if you kick them off one airline, they can't go to another airline and be, uh, be a horrible, um, horrible passenger at another airline. And so we're trying to get the FAA to facilitate the sharing of this information between airlines. They've been reluctant to do that. That, that is, airlines have been. 
but I think we're making some progress uh, in allowing uh, airlines to feel more comfortable in sharing that information. You mean like sort of an airlines having a no-fly list or as Rachel was describing earlier, passengers who may have attacked an attendant on one flight being able to fly on a different airline and that airline having no idea that this passenger did that. Uh, Rachel Armstrong exactly. also was in favor of a federal no-fly list because of, as you say, some of the airlines are reluctant to do this over concerns about how to administer that privacy, even civil liberties in some cases. So are you in favor of a federal, of the federal government doing this? Uh, I am in favor of that. Uh, I don't uh, want to speak for the entire committee um, on that point, but I am in favor of that. The, the, Why? The, 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 well, the flight attendants are there for the safety of the passengers, for the safety of the cabin, and they should not be, uh, no one should interfere with their ability to ensure safety in the cabin. And if someone has, um, uh, 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 someone acts out to the point where they are making others unsafe on one airline, that person should not have the right to go to another airline and, uh, and introduce uh, unsafe, uh, an unsafe environment in another airline. And so that's why I support it. Uh, but again, I think that uh, we're probably a little ways away from that. Meantime, we are pushing the FAA and the airlines to develop um, uh, tools to share that information so uh, they can get past this Airlines can get past this concern, which I don't really understand, but this concern that it's anti-competitive behavior if they share this information. Mm. Uh, but uh, I hope we can get past that, um, past that hurdle. Congress member, uh, this listener, Trevor, asks, um, could airlines add more air marshals to each flight to curb the problematic passengers? What do you think about that as a possible solution? It's a, I'll put it on the list of possible solutions. Uh, I don't know that, um, uh, that the... Uh, the air marshal solution is the is the primary solution. Uh, look, prevention is going to be key. Uh, and like I said, don't serve alcohol um, or don't allow people to take alcohol to go. Um, as a for instance, um, response is going to be key to send the message that the FA will enforce uh, the um, the zero tolerance policy, and we need better responses from the airports and airport police to be at the gates when these planes land. So uh, a lot of these, some of these times, uh, these uh, uh, air crews call into the airport they're going to about passenger A, B, or C, uh, but there's no, no one at the gate to uh, either arrest or detain or otherwise question that person to show that, that we're actually enforcing the law um, uh, as it exists. Congress member Rick Larson, representing Washington's 2nd District, a member of the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee and chair of the House Subcommittee on Aviation. Really appreciate having you on. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, and uh, thanks to the flight attendants for your hard work every day. Thank you. And still with us are flight attendants Tom McDaniel and Rachel Armstrong, Natalie Compton of the Washington Post, who writes on travel. And you, our listeners, are also with us and can share your reactions to what you're hearing, experiences that you've had of bad behavior on flights and, and what that did. And 866-733-6786 is the number, 866-733-6786, email address forum at kqed.org. I understand we have on the line now a flight attendant named Carol, a flight attendant for a major airline. Carol, thanks so much for calling in. Thank you very much for having me. Um, back in the middle of October, 
at the end of a flight. I had a, I had a passenger when they boarded originally at the destination, asked me for a nice bag, was a very nice person, uh, no problems during the flight. However, when we arrived at our destination and the plane was deplaning, de- uh, I was in the aft galley standing forward. This uh, person uh, started to attack uh, a person in the middle of the aircraft. He had gotten out of his seat and was attacking him. I yelled, stop, stop. I started climbing over luggage and and, uh, passengers to get to him. He got off the airplane, uh, got him up top. He came back again. And it was at that point uh, when he started to attack again that he was separated by people down at the bottom at the entrance to the aircraft. And um, he, uh, I, I was fortunate enough to get a hold of the back of his uh, jacket. And I started walking him up the uh, jetway. And we got to the part called the rotunda, which is steel and aluminum. And it was at that point that this gentleman decided to uh, punch me. I took a punch in my rib cage. I took a punch in my abdomen. Um, And then he took my arm and threw me full force into the rotunda, putting me on the ground. Oh, my gosh, um, Carol. I am so sorry that that happened to you. I'm I'm still off work. I, I will be honest, I, uh, I could not get up. Um, initially, I was in pain and in tears. Um, it was a, a, a physical, mental, and emotional thing. I ended up being taken to a hospital, having to have uh, x-rays and CAT scans done, um, being released from the hospital that night. I'm still at home. Um, working through a variety of things, not the least of which is the uh, fact that I am single, so I don't have help. And I have one arm that's not as functional as the other one from my injuries. I'm going to PT. I have an MRI tomorrow. Um, The good news is that I will be making a court appearance against this person coming up. Um, and, uh, I, this has affected my life in every possible way, emotionally, mentally, physically, um, financially, because it's, it's limited my income. And wow. it's also, well, Carol, one. stay with us. I want to keep you on after the break. Uh, I'd like to ask you another question. So do stay with us. We're talking about what flight attendants are experiencing. This is Forum. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about the increasing problem of air rage on flights and how flight attendants are experiencing this and how officials and airlines are addressing this and whether it's enough. And Carol is with us, who is a flight attendant for a major airline who just described a horrific attack on her. And during the break, Carol, I understand your daughter said something to you. Can you tell us what she told you and how you responded? Yes. Uh, she was upset with me that I got involved with this. Um, she wanted me to not get involved. Um, first of all, that's not me. And second of all, my job is to get involved. That's what I'm there for is safety. Um, it's who I am. It's what I am. I'm very proud of my profession and everybody that flies. We all take take this seriously we we love our jobs but uh, we take safety seriously but this isn't the type of safety we should have to be concerned with we should be concerned with other things and so i i that for me it was very um eye-opening because she wanted me to stand aside and i understand her concern because it's her mom but (laughs) i have i owe the public to do the job that I was hired to do and that I love, and that is to protect them and be there for their safety. Well, Carol, thanks for calling in and being willing to share this story. And um, and I, I hope the court appearance goes well and that what you feel for your, for your job and the career that you have built continues. This listener, Angela, writes, in solidarity with flight attendants, you all are wonderful. I hate flying. It is fear. But I have always been made comfortable and felt safe on any flight I have been on. Angela goes on to ask, what training is there for flight attendants for social emotional training as well as de-escalation training to deal with irrational travelers? Rachel, wondering if you could answer Angela's question there. Yeah, I think there's there's training um it there's not enough training um we receive you know when it comes to physical training and combat training we receive training um when we first become flight attendants um but then after that you know we once a year we hit a dummy called bob in the face um and that's the extent of learning how to protect ourselves um when it comes to de-escalations and diffuse um we try to get to the root of the problem. The company has, you know, always told us to deescalate and diffuse as much as possible. Um, and I think our flight attendants are really good at that. But, you know, we're also being torn from having to be safety, safe, safety enforcers and flight attendants uh, serving, you know, drinks and snacks, but then also we become therapists in the process of of doing our job. Um, you know, I've noticed a lot of times it's not about, you know, putting the mask on properly, or it's not about, you know, following the rules on the airplane. It's, it's, 
a lot of times people are bringing things that are going on in their life on the aircraft. And so for flight attendants, it's become our job to find out why is that person that way? What, what's going on for them to be, you know, so upset. Um, and, and I think empathy has, you know, you said I was empathetic, but really I have to do that in order to not just think that somebody's being a jerk. <laughs> um, <laughs> Our flight attendants have been incredibly awesome at trying to de-escalate and diffuse, um, but there's there's not a lot of recourse or for us to be able to know, you know, if, if something doesn't go right, if we can't, you know, at what extent do we escalate, have to get involved or... I, I don't know. Yeah. So I hope that answered somewhat of your question. It, it reveals a lot. And I appreciate the the need for optimism and thinking the best to be able to do your job on a regular basis. Um, caller Scott from Martinez wants to weigh in. Scott, uh, what would you like to say? Yeah. Hi. Uh, thanks. Uh, quick comment and, uh, and then a quick question. Um, I'm wondering, uh, does, does the, are there ever any announcements from the pilot <laughs> like about what's going on and maybe uh, they weigh in on, on how they can control things on the plane. And then I also wanted to say uh, I recently flew for the first time uh, since, since the pandemic started and I had kind of already made up my mind that if I saw some issue between a passenger and a flight attendant that I would intervene uh, basically because I, I just can't imagine like standing by and watching someone get beaten or choked. And so I'm, my question is, like, what are other passengers doing, like, when, when all this stuff is going on? Thank you. Thank you. Tom, wondering if I could get your thoughts for Scott, because I know you have some ideas about what passengers can do to help if, if they feel like they're in a position to. Right. Well, thank you. And, and um, there are different airlines and there are different pilots. There are different flight attendants who have adopted their their uh, announcements to address passenger misconduct and, uh, and uh, assault against airline employees. Um, what we would like to say, we what we would like to see is something from the FAA coming down in a regulatory way so that everybody is doing the same thing. We all know we can't smoke on airplanes because we've been told repeatedly that we can't smoke. And you, it's part of every airline announcement. And we need those kind of announcements and the kind of announcement that tells you what the penalty is if you violate that. So we would like to see standard standardization of that, even placards and jetways, we'd like to see this become part of the rule. And um, I, I talk about this a lot with my friends and, uh, and with the people that I work with. And we keep hearing, you know, throughout with the terrorism and things like that, that we've experienced, and we've become more aware, they always say, you know, if you see something, say something, if I, I don't want to see a brawl on a plane, but I want to tell you that if one of my coworkers gets attacked, or anybody on that plane gets attacked, if you see something, do something. Um, we can't let this happen. We've had people who have been put in, in tough cuffs on the plane who have broken out of them, and it took 10 people to restrain them with seatbelt extensions. And this kind of, uh, this kind of escalation is, is something that we have to take care of. We're going to need the help of other airlines, uh, employees who might be on the flight. But if it's up to you and you need to help somebody, uh, that would, that's something that we need to see. And uh, um, it's, you know, it's just the right thing to do, because at the end of the day, it's also a threat to the flight. And we want everybody who took off on that plane to land safely and go home to their family. 
Well, uh, this listener, Tom Marsha, writes, I certainly hope the airline companies realize that a huge number of us will never fly again unless this biz- this behavior is firmly and strongly checked. How are the airlines responding? You are um, you are part of the International Transport Workers Union of America, International Vice President for TWU. How do your members feel about how the airlines have responded to this? We talked a bit about the FAA, but curious about employers. Well, there's a lot of discussion about it. And I think I think the problem is, is there are discussions within the airlines. You know, if someone gets attacked on American Airlines, then you see their CEO come out and, and ban the person from flying. Um, and, and, you know, and they they address it on that level. But then when somebody uh, that, you know, somebody recently punched an American Airlines flight attendant in the face and the next day they were back home. How did they get back home? They took another airline to get there. And that's why we want to see a national no fly list the airlines could do it tomorrow um, but they but it needs to be done and it needs it could be a, coll- a collaborative effort or it can be an effort through the government the easiest way would be for the airlines to work together and make sure that this doesn't happen and and for the person who said that they that people wouldn't fly the customers who come on board deserve that safety too and that's why our flight attendants like you you heard Carol say that's why we step in our job is to keep you safe. And normally, you know, when people are boarding, we're evaluating them and we're looking, you know, does that per- would we want to use that person in case of an emergency? Do we want them at the exit row? Now we're looking at people going, you know, is that person's behavior something that should be threatening to me? And we shouldn't have that focus taken away from our job. Let me go to Elizabeth in Mountain View. Hi, Elizabeth. Thanks for calling. Oh, thank you for the opportunity to share an experience. I have just a story and a question um, I was flying on Southwest to, to uh, visit my son, who's a freshman at a school in San Diego, and uh, it was an open house. And I thought the flight attendant did a fantastic job. They had He had a little, um, almost like a Dr. Zeus rhyme that he made. Uh, he himself, I think, wrote it, and he emphasized the expectation of everyone on the flight, all the customers were keeping their masks on throughout the flight other than eating. And even if you were eating, it would be a reasonable time to eat and then you'd be expected to put it back on. He did a great job with that. And then, and then he kept reinforcing that throughout the flight. But I did want to um, share that I feel great sympathy for the flight attendants and what they are facing. And this is untenable and unacceptable. And I support the caller. It was a gentleman earlier who said, you know, let's implement a zero tolerance policy. I think between Congress and the FAA, that should absolutely be done. And there should be an expectation that these rules are clearly known and understood, just like the non-smoking rule, that everybody has to comply with them. And there's serious consequences for not complying. And I think if that were done, the airspace above, you know, in the above the air of the United States, you know, it transcends borders. And so all the individual practices that go on in the states below don't matter. We're up in airspace with with hopefully a common uh, requirement that everybody expects and supports. And if they don't, there have to be serious consequences. Because I feel for the safety not only of the attendants, but all the flying public, the majority of whom want to stay safe as well. That's my feedback. And thank you for all the work you guys are doing. It's it's amazing and really scary to, to hear what's happening up there. And you have certainly my support and a lot of other people's support, I know. Thank you. 
Well, Elizabeth, thanks for the comment. And Kristen writes, I fly every couple of months from my local Sonoma County Airport to Portland. Things are fine on those flights. Commuter types and families going to visit each other are a fairly reasonable crowd. But what I experience these days working in the restaurant industry is that people are far more hair trigger. They just get so angry so fast over small things. It echoes, Kristen, your comment, some of the things that we are hearing that get people upset um, on flights. And we're hearing them from Rachel Armstrong, a flight attendant with Allegiant Airlines and vice president of TWU Local 577. Tom McDaniel, a flight attendant for Southwest Airlines and international vice president for TWU of America. And Natalie Compton, reporter for the Washington Post travel column, by the way. And you're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Natalie, curious about your reaction to AJ's comment. AJ writes, sure, we can analyze how disrespect and violence are related to various societal factors, and those are real. But the airlines don't help when they make flying so exhausting, demoralizing, and physically punishing. For a not significant percentage of people, the physical constraints are punishing. We are in serious pain while flying. Uh, I wanted to ask you about that, Natalie, because I think there have been a lot of changes just to the experience of flying in these pandemic years that, that people might not be familiar with that could be adding stressors. Could you just talk a little bit more about some of the things that we've been hearing more about, that there have been more, more times that flights have been canceled or that you know wait times have had to change, check-ins are longer with pre-pandemic policies and so on. Can you just talk about what people should expect given the fact that flying is picking up dramatically or at least flight bookings are? Mm -hmm. It is a really interesting time to be flying, and it's been in flux since the pandemic started. I flew for the first time back in November, and I've flown many times since, and it changes a little with every flight. We had, in the very beginning, very dramatic cutbacks on service. There was just maybe water and a bag of potentially maybe a snack, a hand wipe for sure, and I think people are going back into flying very anxiously. They're worried about their safety. They're feeling very wary of other people. Just like that listener said, people are, are, are on pins and needles, it seems like, just waiting to explode at the, the, the first thing that upsets them. So I don't think that's any different when you go into an airport right now. People are stressed out seeing so many people again, so many crowds again. There are a lot of stressful experiences that happened at airports before the pandemic and now. Some things that people might notice is that there are less business travelers. So more of the people who are flying again aren't as used to flying. We see that play out in TSA security checkpoints when people don't know what they can bring. TSA has said they have found more people trying to have guns in their carry-on bags, not necessarily to be causing crimes on board, but because they don't realize what you can take in a bag and what you can't. We see that happen with just, you know, mm -hmm. holding up the line because people don't know what they can have, people getting upset based on what the line rules are at security. You have to have your mask on, of course, the whole time that can make people very upset. And then on board, there is still reduced service in a lot of ways. You're having that flight attendant tell you or the people around you to wear their masks more often, or you're feeling very stressed because you see other people taking advantage of that eating and drinking rule, having their mask down for much longer than is necessary because they don't want to wear the mask. So there's just this general <laughs> level of added of added stress on top of the, the whole way. Stressors. Yes. Yeah. Well, I understand that we have another flight attendant on the line, Randy. Randy, thanks so much for calling. Hi, thank you. What is it that you would like listeners to know about your experience as a flight attendant and, and how they can be better this holiday season? 
I just say we are all in this together. I mean, us flight attendants, we have to wear the mask all day throughout the airport, 12 hours plus if it's a five-hour flight. And so if you can just cooperate with us as well, we'll be happy to serve you whatever we can. And, you know, just please wear your mask. Just follow the federal regulations. And Do you we'll feel like there. people are trying <laughs> to get around the regulations? Yes. People are getting smart. I mean, um, we mentioned earlier about people maybe uh, eating lollipops now or just eating all flight and drinking all flight, trying to not wear the mask. And it's, uh, it just makes our jobs harder because there are other passengers watching and it makes, you know, they let us know that we need to let them know. Um, so, and then there's people that doesn't wear they don't wear the mask completely over their face, so we have to go in and let them know. Please put it over your, you know, over your nose and mouth. And so it just makes it a little bit harder. But, again, we all enjoy our jobs, so grateful to have a job at these times. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're grateful, and, and thank you for the work that you do. Um, Rachel, I want to give you a chance to just give us your final thoughts and tell us what it is that you are hoping to see this winter as more and more passengers come back. As you mentioned, you've been so glad to see more passengers coming back. Yeah, I mean, I think what I want to see this winter is a national no-fly list. Um, policy change takes a really long time um, in the airline industry or, you know, just as a whole, anything that is a big policy change. Um, and, you know, I think what is it going to take for us to get a national no-fly list or federally mandated no-fly list? I keep seeing flight attendants get punched in the face every week. Um, and I just think, what does it have to get worse than this? Is, is there going to have to be more harm to somebody? Um, and Tom said, you know, this could be solved overnight. There's nothing stopping them from implementing, you know, and sharing their no-fly list with each other. Um, I think going back at anyone that causes bodily harm or injury to a flight attendant should face jail time. Um, you're not only interfering with the safety, but if the flight attendant were have to perform a, an emergency evacuation, that flight attendant is already compromised and they're not, they might not be able to get all the people off the plane within 90 seconds. Um, so I think I'm really hoping that if we can push this issue of banning individuals that are causing harm to our safety, um, and, and this, uh, this is the prime time to do it, we just have to keep putting pressure on it. I think once we have that in place, people will know what the consequences are for their actions. And right. it has been very unclear what the consequences are for their actions, and, and, and we need to, to make, make it known. Rachel Armstrong, Tom McDaniel, Natalie Compton, thanks to all of you. Thanks to Grace One and Susan Britton for producing this segment. And thanks, listeners. This is Forum. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising-Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. 
Set ten years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.